Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Far Science Show. There is no other topic in the podcast that would create more attention than electric vehicle fires. And because it's the Christmas episode, I have a Christmas present for you. I have a very interesting episode on electric vehicle fires. I have invited uh, Elena Funk from DBI and Magnus Avidson from RISE. Both of them were participants in projects carried by their institutions. Elena was doing a project called the Elbas, and uh, Magnus was doing Lash Fire with RISE. Both of those projects were oriented on electric vehicle fires on decks of boats, railroad ships and ferries. So something that already electrified my audience in the summer where a large boat burned down at the coast of Netherlands. And together with Bogdan, we have discussed the, the fire safety of ships. Today, we take it a little deeper. Both of those projects were looking into how we can mitigate electric vehicle fires in that setting. And this is the most relevant for the civil engineers as well, because the, the shipping deck is very similar to setting you would find in a car park. So a very, very relevant topic. We are discussing multiple tools used to uh, suppress, mitigate the fires in electric vehicles. We talk about how the projects were designed, what they've done, what they found out, what surprised them and how they evaluate the performance of the tools tested. So, ton of knowledge, ton of useful stuff for you today. Uh, it's Christmas episode, electric vehicle fires. Let's go. Welcome to the Fire Science Show. My name is Wojciech Wingzinski, and I will be your host. This podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Offer Consultants, a multi-award-winning independent consultancy dedicated to addressing fire safety challenges. OFR is UK's leading fire risk consultancy. Its globally established team has developed the reputation for preeminent fire engineering expertise with colleagues working across the world to help protect people, property and environment. Internationally, its work ranges from the Antarctic to the Atacama Desert in Chile to a number of projects across Africa. OFR is calling all graduates as it is opening the graduate application scheme for another year, inviting prospective colleagues to join their team from September 2024. By taking this opportunity, you'll be provided with fantastic practical immersion in the fire engineering and unique opportunity to work with the leading technical experts in the field while learning the skills critical to become a trusted consultant to clients. This opportunity is tailored just for you and if you would like to take it, Please visit OFRConsultants.com for further details and instructions on how to apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Science Show. I'm here today joined by Elena Funk from uh, DBI. Hey, Elena. Hi, Wojciech. Great to have you in the show. And also Magnus Arvidsson from RISE. Hello, Magnus. Good to have you in the show. Hello. Hi. And a thing that connects you too is your passion for burning down electric vehicles and trying to suppress them which I find very valuable. This is something that everyone is asking about. How do we deal with vehicles that are burning? You both have uh, participated in projects done in your institution. Elena, for you, it was Project Elbas. For Magnus, it was Project Lashfire. I think they both had quite similar objectives, but perhaps we can quickly walk uh, our audience over them. 
So Alana, let's start with you. T tell me in few words about Project Elbas and what was it about? Sure. So Elbas project was about extinguishing fires uh, in electric vehicles. And it included the tests that we're going to talk about, but it was actually a quite larger project where we holistically look at procedures on board of ferries, how they do in case of fire. We looked at training of personnel for the fire, the, the fire drills. And we have also modeled fires in three cases that we chose with our partners. We got money from Marit uh, Danish Maritime Fund to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had uh, Danish shipping companies together with us, uh, DFDS, Siena, Moldlinian, Scandlines. And together with them, we chose some ferries that we could look at, visit, question, ask people how they do and learn, and then, you know, model and come up with tests. Basically, very shortly, that, that was project. As someone who's planning a trip to Stockholm, Copenhagen with a ferry from Poland, I appreciate the rush for safety on those, on those ships sponsored by the, the companies out there. Very interesting. And Magnus, the Lash Fire project. So tell me, what was the scope of your project? Well, the Lash Fire project was a European Union project that started in 2019 and it was finalized this year. So it was a four-year project. And we looked at technical basis for the revision of international IMR regulations uh, with the objective to, to improve fire prevention on rubber ships. And we had uh, a huge number of, of different partners in the in Europe that participated. And it was divided into several different work packages. We looked at effective manual operations. We looked at ignition prevention extinguishment. We looked at what we call inherently safe design, detection, and also containment on, uh, of fire. So we looked at sort of improving fire, fire safety on railroad ships from several different aspects. And my focus was extinguishment. And extinguishment for me here was using fixed installed fire protection systems. Cool. Uh, so Roro ships, if, if anyone is, is not up to the technicalities, these are ships that are used to carry passenger vehicles. Ferries are ships that are used to carry passenger vehicles and passengers with them. So um, both of you are touching, a, in a way, similar subject of ships transporting vehicles. How important that is, we had a, not a very nice reminder earlier this year with a massive fire on a ship near the Netherlands coast. And I actually had a podcast episode to some extent covering the IMO standards and the general approach to fire safety on the sea uh, with Bogdan a few episodes ago. I'll link to that in the show notes. And also, even though your projects were quite wide in the scope, both of you have ended burning down electric vehicles <laughs> to, to figure out what type of a new hazard they are. So let, let's go a little more in depth into burning uh, electric vehicles for now. So Elena, if you could quickly characterize how have you constructed your experiment? Uh, what was the main objective and perhaps the main variables of your study? Sure. So in general, we looked at three different types of car decks and we looked at the closed, semi-closed and open one. But here mm -hmm. for the test, we chose on this semi-opened 
So we took two 40 feet containers, cut them open, placed them aside and placed a metal sheet on the top. So we made sort of a long compartment where we inside placed nine vehicles with an EV in the center. Mm-hmm. And we made sure we start the fire from a battery by short circuiting the battery in most of the cases. In one case, we both short-circuited and overcharged the battery. And in one case, the car arrived late, so we used the pool fire underneath. So so the the setup was like one electric vehicle in uh, the middle of your shipping container space, uh, surrounded with with different cars, right? Yeah, then were the internal combustion engine vehicles. Okay. We used uh, scrap cars, simple cars, emptied everything from them like the the fuel, I mean, and placed around this electric car. So I assume the point of this setup is to figure out some sort of fire spread between the vehicles or to, to what extent uh, the, the safety strategies you implement were successful in preventing that spread. The fire spread is something we looked at, but the main goal was to test different extinguishment techniques. Okay. And that's something I didn't mention before is what we wanted to do together with our partners, we wanted to invite the crew that would be responsible mm-hmm. for fighting the fire on board of such a ferry so that they could participate in testing different tools and seeing how it is to use them and also finding some simple solutions together with them that they could later on bring with them and, and use them later. We also, of course, look at the fire spread because, as I mentioned, we modeled fires on these ferries. So we were very interested in what ignites first and how fast the fire spreads, if it does. Okay, you're right. You have mentioned that uh, one of the goals of the entire project was to figure out the procedures on board of the ferries. So it makes sense that you were looking into things that the crew can use in case of uh, fire emerging. To close it up, can you tell me what types of solutions were you uh, checking out? Yeah, we tested the blanket, the mm-hmm. so-called extinguishing lens and the punching device. These are the direct injection devices is where you basically put the water inside the battery and so-called water curtains of two different types. Mm-hmm. And the last one was the low-pressure water mist. As in a fixed uh, system built inside the deck. Yes, exactly. That's the fixed system. So we had a company that usually installs such water mists okay. on board of ferries, come and look at our setup and then design how would they place the, the nozzles and uh, they helped us. And in your case, it was a manually activated system, not an automatic system. Yeah, we activated after the detection manually. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we have an overview of Elba's uh, ship containers built into something that is similar to a shipping deck, one of the three that you've investigated, four types of uh, fire safety devices, blankets, extinguishing lances, punching devices, water curtains, and low-pressure water mist that were compared all in a setting where you had Nine vehicles with the middle one burning. I hope I got it correct. Yeah, you got it correct. I'm cheating because I'm looking at the paper, you know, and but people don't know that. And Magnus, for a project Lashfire and experiments that you have carried, uh, tell me what what did the setup look like and what were the variables that you were looking in? Yeah, I can I can start off by saying that the background is that that these spaces on board Roro cargo and railroad passenger ships, they are protected by a fixed installed 
sprinkler system and mm-hmm. the technology that is used on board ships is drencher systems. Drencher system is basically a water spray system that is divided into different zones. So, so these zones are manually activated by the crew in case of fire. And the nozzles are, are installed at, at the ceiling and each zone typically covers the full width of, the, of a ship and the length of a zone is 20 meters. And the background for my test uh, was a concern raised by Stena, one of the partners in, in the Nashby project. They had a concern that these drencher systems, or they wanted to know uh, uh, basically if, if the drencher system is effective also if there's an electric vehicle fire. So that was the starting point for, for these tests. And the tests themselves were conducted in one of the fire test halls at Rice in Borås. And we tested one vehicle, one car at a time. We started mm-hmm. the fire one car at a time. And one of the key things here was that we measured the heat release rate. We have a large calorimeter where we could measure the, the heat release rate. So we installed, put the cars in the, in the test hall, and we had that water spray system above five meters above. And above that, we had the, the collection hood of the calorimeter. We, we did a total of four tests, and we had two pairs of vehicles. And the attempt here was to try to find a battery electrical vehicle and an internal combustion energy vehicle as similar as possible. So mm-hmm. we had a straightforward comparison sort of all of the performance of the drenching system having sort of two pairs where each each pair of over cars was as similar as possible. So for from your perspective, the internal combustion engine vehicle hazard is known and recognized because there is an IMO standard on how do you test the, the drencher systems and how you assign the water flows and the separation between the nozzles and stuff like that? Yeah. I, I've uh, been to Baltic Fire Lab and I've seen one of those tests in my eyes. So it's a very interesting approach. Uh, however, the battery electric vehicle fire were to some sort an unknown because it was not covered yet by IMO standards. So the point was to figure out if they are worse and if, how much. That's, that's yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. And we wanted to do this. I mean, the main difference between these two types of cars is, uh, is the drivetrain, basically. I mean, it's either a fuel tank and, and a regular combustion engine, or it's a battery pack and an electric one or, or, or more electrical motors. So we wanted to, to, in these tests, we wanted to include the fire, a fire in, in either the fuel tank or in the battery pack at the very early stage. Mm-hmm. So that's the main difference, sort of. So to do that for the internal combustion energy vehicles, it was actually uh, gasoline-fueled cars. Mm-hmm. So we started the fire by, by drilling a hole in the fuel tank. We mm-hmm. put the plug in, and then we filled the fuel tank to, to 90% of the full capacity. And when we started the test, we basically disconnected the rubber plug and ignited <laughs> the outflow of fuel and the outflow of gasoline with a torch. So, so it was kind of like a failure of the tank scenario. Yes, exactly, exactly. And for the battery electrical vehicles, we used a nail and we, we punctured the battery pack from underneath by using a nail. And to be able to do that, we had actually to make a small opening in the pr- protection shield underneath the battery pack. 
but we penetrated with a nail underneath and, and that started the fire. For the listeners, because uh, you are hearing an audio description of what happened, and Magnus yeah. was kind enough to send me pictures from the test. And what he kindly calls the nail is actually a fist-sized device that breaks through the battery. It's absolutely giant. And it's it's powered by uh, some sort of pneumatic device that you normally use to lift the cars in the car shop. So it's not like a nail that you would use to construct your home. It is a massive device that does a massive damage to the battery. And it seems a reliable way to set uh, vehicles on fire, just as drilling a hole in a, in a fuel tank and releasing the gasoline from it is. Very interesting. Uh, thank you, Magnus, for bringing me to the ignition, because I also I wanted had to have, uh, before we go into suppression, I wanted to have a really good discussion about the ignition with you. Elena, tell me about how, how have you ignited the, the, the vehicles? You've mentioned something about overcharging and short-circuiting them before. So can we go into details? How were you setting them on fire? Yeah, we, we overcharged one battery and short-circuited. And mm, most mm. of them we short-circuited. So the plan was that if we short-circuit, we wait and then we get the fire. But that's not what happened. Mm. Uh, the very first test, we got to wait for 40 minutes with some weak smoke coming out and nothing really happening, despite that we even went in in the compartment and opened the back of the car where the battery was flipping. That sounds risky. Yeah, it is, it is, but it was just off-gassing for a very long time and we need to test uh, a blanket. We didn't want to test it on, on the slight smoke, so we needed a fire, so we, we used the accelerator in, in that case. We did, uh, as I said, used uh, both overcharge and shorting, and that's where we got a very fast action that we didn't expect. We were able to do it once, to equipment we used to overcharge broke down. Uh, that would be very interesting to, to see if we would get repeatable results with, with these two types of abuse, battery abuse, because we got really fast ignition without almost any off-gassing of the battery in, in this case. And when you were just uh, short-circuiting them, was it a, a typical scenario that you would see some off-gassing than uh, a, a fire growth phase? Well, you were using also accelerant, you've mentioned. So Yeah, yeah. We would normally see battery off-gassing for a long time. So I think that if everything is closed in the car, uh, as you know, that's an important parameter, then what you will see is a very boring scenario. So. Yeah. Because the goal was to test um, different extinguishment techniques, we, we did later on, at later stage, messed up with the situation and helped a little. I can imagine that there's not much action happening if the car is not burning. So if you want to assess the extinguishing, you probably want to uh, have the fire there. One interesting point. Okay, so Magnus was violating the cars really uh, badly, aggressively, shooting nails through them, drilling holes in, in the tanks. So let's say mechanically introduced failure. In your case, it was electrical failure. Uh, one thing I would need to have clear, I mean, this type of behavior, like short circuits and, and overcharging primarily, I mean, the battery management system would be something that kind of protects the vehicle from behavior like that. Did you have to go around the battery management system to actually introduce those failures? Yeah, we had to uh, go around that. We had to disconnect and, and short it and, and then safely uh, make sure that we don't do it, that we do it at the time zero when the test starts. 
Okay. So we have a fire investigator who used to work at Tesla, who knew how to do it. And he helped us with this process in, in all the cases. S sounds like a dangerous man to have around your electric vehicles at home. Um, so now let's talk about what happened after. So I guess in both projects, uh, once the cars were ignited, the fires were growing and I've seen some heat release rate plots from Magnus and they show a rapid growth of the fire, as I would expect from a vehicle with a failed tank or a violated battery. Elena, I saw your presentation at IFSS. I saw uh, quite large fires that you, that you got. So let's assume at this point and, and, and discussion on, on the fire growth and development of fires and electric vehicles that you eventually got all of your cars in your experiments to be fully involved in fires. And let's move to the most interesting part, uh, the one that is very novel that you both bring into the table of the fire science which is extinguishing actions and suppression. So perhaps let's start with Lena and, and Project Elbas. You have mentioned four techniques used to control the fires uh, in, in the cars. If you could describe how were they applied and what uh, were the outcomes of using those, please. So when we tested the blanket, we had to go around the neighboring vehicles because configuration that we tried to mimic was... Mm -hmm how exactly the cars are standing on, on board of a car deck on, on the ferry, and they standing very close to each other. Okay. So the crew or the firefighters that tested the blanket, they would go around the, the vehicles and place the blanket around and then, you know, make sure that it's above the EV. And what we saw was that the battery temperature would slightly go down when you just apply the blanket, mm -hmm. but then it will restart growing after a while. So by blanket, you mean a giant-sized fire blanket that we would normally use in a kitchen to put out a pan? And this, in this case, it's a really giant device that people have to go in, drop over the vehicle, and technically the vehicle is sealed outside. But you were measuring the stuff that's happening on the battery, and, and there you see what you just described, the, the temperature going down and up. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. There is a company producing special type of blankets to use for car fires. So they are larger and they're sold in different types. We tested a one-time use blanket uh, in that test. Okay. Uh, so, so as the temperatures went up, have you observed, I don't know, the steel growing fire, any indications of fire spread between vehicles? That's the thing. You, when you apply the blanket, you don't want the fire to already spread to the neighboring mm. cars, right? So if you apply it early enough, then you can really contain. And what we saw, the temperatures around the car go down. So in, in our test, we, we saw that they went significantly down and we could keep them at about 100. And that's mm -hmm. what also mentioned when they tested, because normally, you know, they train on artificial smoke, but here they got to actually go in where the car was on fire and try what they already have on board of the ferries to test themselves. And they said, okay, we felt how much less heat it was. Um, uh, how difficult was it to apply the blanket? Like, was it problematic to put it on or they, they were trained to do that? You need to train a bit, but it's, uh, I would say it's fairly simple. Okay. It's more about uh, detecting the fire and, and getting to the place where the fire is because the ship can be massive yeah, exactly. and there's a lot of cars. If you imagine where you park your car, can you think of how many cars there can be sometimes when mm -hmm. it's very, very much so? They are not planning to really use 
the blanket in such situations, they will very carefully evaluate before they ever come in. So there are situations mm. where uh, a car deck would be half empty, for example, or you have mm. some chemicals you transport or some sensitive equipment or something. So they want to have blanket not to really, they test it to try it on, on EV, but they would switch on the drencher system that Magnus will talk more about. Yeah. And that, that will be their main strategy, but they wanted to test and to try because they invested in blankets on board mm -hmm. and they want, wanted to know how, how it is to use it. And it, yeah, it's fairly simple. Very good, very good. Very interesting bit of knowledge. For extinguishing lenses and uh, punching devices, like uh, how does one apply that and, and what did they do? So the way you apply it is you need a professional firefighter and training okay. is a much more demanding here. And it's also a heavy job, I would say. You would need two people for e-lance and you would maybe hold, one firefighter would hold it, another would use a hammer to to heat it in the battery. So mm -hmm. imagine you need to know where the battery is. Okay. And when the crew saw all of these aspects that have to come together, they of course said that's something not for us. They are not trained uh, to use such tools. But when we tested that, we could see that for that type of battery, at least, that we had, we, uh, we successfully extinguished and we saw no reignitions of the battery in this case. W why would the type of battery matter? What was the, the so special about this one? So I would be really careful to say that it would work everywhere. The, the type okay. of battery matters because of the thickness of protection. Like Magnus mentioned, they had to drill a hole. Like The thickness will be different if you have a car that is uh, a high-end car, more expensive, usually very well protected. What we see now, we cannot penetrate it because firefighters mm -hmm. use this tool in Denmark today uh, in normal fires around here on land. So they are now starting to develop a new similar tool together with the Danish company to make sure that they can breach the thickness of the metal that is introduced. I, I've heard about batteries becoming a structural part of the vehicle now. So if they're a structural part, it means you are not supposed to break it easily. Otherwise, the car is is faulty and crashes. So uh, I can imagine uh, just sticking a lance into a battery not being a, an easy job, especially if you have to know where it is, where it exactly is located in your vehicle. And that probably changes from a vehicle to vehicle. There is another very important aspect that I didn't mention. It's that you need to actually face to fill it with water. So if your battery design would change and it will be insulated fully and there will be no space, you know, for water to cool the battery, then it would not work. And also what if, you, if it's separated in, in the design inside? So you, you actually use that in one location and you maybe introduce the fire instead in that location. So you have to move around. There's a, a lot of aspects there that you have to be careful when you use such tool. But in essence, uh, where you successfully applied water near the battery inside the vehicle, it would take the temperatures down, the, the fire would exactly. die, and you would not see reignition. What's very effective, uses less water in the battery we tested, the temperature went down. So it was really a really good tool. I, I would say a successful, yeah. Um, Next one, you mentioned water curtains. So can you describe uh, what they are and how does firefighter use them? So the water curtains are um, portable water curtains. So imagine you have a system of pipes with nozzles. 
that you mm-hmm. can push in and between the vehicles. People on board call it like boundary cooling device. So mm-hmm. you basically want to push it in between the vehicles, switch the water on so it uh, cools down, prevents the fire from spreading from the ignition vehicle, and then, you know, come to port and get help from the firefighters. So it's like a water blanket. It doesn't uh, do things inside the vehicle. It just prevents the fire from uh, affecting the neighboring vehicles. Exactly. And in our tests, the companies the tested devices, they were continuously improving them. So mm-hmm. in one test, we saw that when we applied this device too late, when the fire managed to spread, then mm-hmm. the device was not able to do much. Fire continued raging and we went almost to burnout. But in another case, when applied early enough, when the fire is still at one vehicle, it was effective. I see a pattern emerging in here. Time is a very important variable. Exactly. And uh, to close up on, on Project Elbus, the last thing you've tested was fixed extinguishing system, low pressure water mist. So this is not something people would go into the, the compartment uh, with them, but something that is already pre-installed in their building, uh, a system similar to what Magnus will, will speak about in a few seconds, that is activated. So w- w- what have you observed with water mist? perhaps comparing it to the hand-operated devices we were talking about previously. So what we saw is that it was very effective in cooling the temperatures down around the electric vehicle. And the crew that was observing the test with us, they really liked to see that because that's where they don't need to come in and risk their lives. So this was very effective. Have you seen any effects inside uh, the vehicle or again, the battery was able to develop itself because it's protected from the water? We could see that temperature on the battery went down during the Actually, application. No? That everybody, you know, underlining that uh, the battery is protected. It, it is protected, but we do see some temperature drop when we use this kind of water pressure. You've mentioned something about the ventilation before. So windows to this vehicle were closed or were they open when you were doing the tests? Yeah, the first test when we have just started, we had everything closed and then we started opening really because we wanted to get for the fire growth. Okay. Yeah. We want, we Mm -hmm. needed a real fire to test these devices. And I think in case of the water mist where we tested just the water mist and nothing else, because we also had three tests in the end of the project where we mixed different techniques. So Mm -hmm. when we tested just the water mist, I think we had mm. there. We had a possibility for water to to go in actually inside the car. Very very interesting observations. Thank you, thank you, Lena, for summarizing Project Elbas. And now uh, we can move to Lashfire and Magnus. So in your case, to iterate, you were testing electrical uh, electric vehicles and internal combustion and, uh, vehicles, very similar to each other in a setting that is re- representative for Roro decks under a hood measuring heat release rates. Now we used what we call a drenching system, which is a no, no pressure system. Basically, water spray nozzles. So the operating pressure of, of the system is quite low. It's like 1.3 bar only. That's, that's the type of system that typically is used on board this ship. And we used to design density, a water flow rate corresponding to, to 10 liters per minute per square meter which is the, the sort of required density f- for a ceiling height of five, five meters, what was simulated. 
And tell me, like, how have you decided when you have activated the systems and what happened after the activation? Yes, uh, I mean, the, the intent here was to start the application of water at a similar heat release rate. So we decided beforehand that when the fire reaches 1.5 megawatt, we will start the application of water. So that was decided beforehand. And we used that approach for all four tests. Uh, however, uh, the time was, was quite different. And, and uh, that, that relates, of course, to the fire growth rate of all the fires. And for the gasoline fuel cars, where the fire growth rate was very rapid. Then that fuel, then gasoline fuel, then that, that goes out from the tank, that will spread out and it will create quite quickly a, a large spill fire. In this particular case, we had a tray underneath the cars, so it prevented that spill to grow very large. The size of that tray was 15 square meter. So the, the spill fire could be larger than, than 15 and square And w- w- what were the uh, sizes of the peaks of heat release rate from these spills? As a matter of, we start for the, the gasoline fuel cars, then that spill spread out and eventually after a few minutes, we believe that the, the fuel tank sort of ruptured. Mm. So the, the spill out was quite large. So in the first test, we approached eight, eight megawatts. Mm-hmm. So we started the application of water, but the, the fire continued to grow to a peak of about eight megawatts. But the, the spill out, the fuel is consumed. So gradually the, f- the fire size will be reduced as the fuel is consumed. Uh, so it was quite a short peak, not a... Uh... Uh, quite a short period, talking about three, four minutes of mm-hmm. all This is a very interesting observation because, you know, uh, a lot of people would say the main difference between electrical vehicle fires and Internal combustion engine fires would be the way that the batteries ignite and they immediately give insanely large heat release rates. And you see in, in internal combustion engine vehicles, you also can have these huge peaks very early if there is a tank failure and the release of accelerant, the gasoline, into the environment. And I think your colleagues from RISE, uh, in their previous test, I had Roland Bishop in the podcast a long time ago, and uh, we've discussed that he, they also observed a very rapid growth of the fires when the, the tanks were affected. So you were triggering your systems at one and a half megawatt. Please let me go back to Elena because I didn't ask you, like when you were designing Elena, how, when, when to apply your solutions in, in those tests? So depends. The overall goal was to wait out uh, if we have a fire uh, and... If it starts, that's because the procedures on board of the ferry as such that crew, it take, will, will take time for the crew to muster, uh, mm. prepare, get dressed. So uh, they told us it would take us 10 minutes. So we were, mm. in most cases, if we got things going, waiting, depending on when it started, except one case when the fire started so fast that it caught us by surprise. So there we had to start the firefighting early. And then also, if you think about the direct injection tools, the test showed to us that you first want to extinguish the fire in the cabin and then come in and inject the water. So okay. that would be like a last of firefighting. So it depends on the tool, but in general, we wanted to wait out and sort of simulate on how it happens on board of a ferry. So, so it was not a, just a single trigger point like for Magnus? You pass this value and, and you release. It was more like procedure-oriented, uh, 
figured yeah. out together with the ferry people who know their stuff and were actually active participants. Okay, that that makes sense a lot. And and for water mist, you had water mist. How did you choose the time when to press the button? They don't need to master to press the button, right? So here is the same. You see, uh, once the fire is detected, we had smoke detectors installed. Uh, we waited for ten minutes and then switch it on. Ah, okay, so so you accounted for the time for a person to go in, confirm that there is a fire, come back and then activate in, in yeah. a way. Okay, thank you. Magnus, uh, coming back to you, one and a half megawatts, you were triggering uh, your drenches system. And tell me what happened in, in, in both cases of electrical and internal combustion engine vehicles. Or no, please start with uh, what were the peaks and then yes. the, the fire grows you saw in battery electric vehicle. Because I stopped you in the middle of a very interesting thing. For the gasoline fuel cars, we started at one and a half megawatts, but the fire continued to grow. Mm-hmm. So for the first car, it went to eight megawatts. For the second car, it went to about five megawatts. Mm-hmm. The reason for, for the, the smaller sized fire was, was that the, the fuel tank of that second car was smaller. So the amount of fuel mm-hmm. was smaller. Okay. For the battery electrical vehicles, the fire growth rate was significantly slower. As a matter of fact, the fire started quite soon after we had penetrated the battery pack with a nail. In the first pack, we saw sort of flames basically immediately. For the second type of car, we saw flames, uh, we saw dripping of melted plastic and it took, took, took a little time. It took a, two, three minutes before we mm-hmm. saw a flaming combustion and we saw flames coming out from the battery pack. But for both cases, the, the, the battery electric vehicles fires were, were the fire growth rate was, was much slower. Mm-hmm. So for these cases, we started the application of water after, in the first test, after 12 minutes. And then in, in the second test, it was after 16 minutes. And that was the moment you reached uh, one and a half megawatts. Yes, that's one. Mm-hmm. What when we reached one one and a half megawatts okay. for the gasoline-powered cars, it took just a minute to reach that threshold. So the fire growth rate was much slower uh, for the battery electrical vehicles. And also, when we started the application of water for the battery electrical vehicles, we saw some degree of fire suppression. We suppressed mm-hmm. fire. But that was, of course, basically the part of the fire where water could reach and, and cool down the fire. Mm-hmm. The, the fire continued to burn. That was obvious from the measurements that the, the fire continued to burn inside the battery pack. And for the first of the battery electrical vehicles, we saw the fire sort of go up and down, sort of. And that is, is most likely the reason and, and, and the, an indication of fire spread from module to module. And for, for that particular car, we called it BEV1. That car was sort of a dedicated, well, it's it built on a dedicated electrical, battery electrical vehicle platform. So the modules, all modules are in the, in the bottom part of the vehicle and sort of side by side. And we can clearly see from the data when the fire sort of spreads from one module to the, to the other module. Mm-hmm. So the, the fire goes up and then it goes down for a small certain period of time. And then it goes up again and down again. And, so and what, what, what kind of threshold it's reaching? How big it becomes? 
think it was in the order of uh, in the order of three, almost two and a half, three megawatts when when this occurred. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing was that that during the thirty minutes discharge period, because we discharge water f- uh, for thirty minutes during this time, the full battery pack burned out. That was very clear in the first mm-hmm. test. For the second test, though, the car that we call BEV2, it looked very similar, but it was that that car is not built on a dedicated platform. It's built on a modular platform. So the battery modules are not sort of, uh, in all cases, sort of side by side. They are separated a, a little bit. There's one pack basically below the, the rear seat of the car mm-hmm. and another pack between. Ah, so they're the, spread around the car, okay. Yes, but there's a certain distance between parts of the battery mm-hmm. pack. So for that car, we think that water uh, at some time reached down to the to, to part of the battery pack and sort of kept that partly under control because when we turned off the application of water, we could tell that that there was, after some minutes, there was a battery sort of pack fire going on, sort of. So the first test, the full battery pack burned out during application of water. And in the the second test, we partly burned out the battery pack. And we believe that the water sort of that came from the drenching system, that went down into the battery pack, probably through the, the window, the windows broke in the car and mm. probably water penetrated down to the battery pack and prevented involvement of part of the battery pack. Yeah, if you oh. have a three megawatt fire, yeah. such damage is very likely to, to happen. And you mentioned you, you were um, applying water for 30 minutes. So w- one was the reason for, for this duration and two, what happened when you turned the water off? Yeah, uh, the reason was, was two actually. First of all, we wanted to see to what extent the fire sort of redeveloped after the application of water. So by doing that, we could get an indication of the performance, you could say, of the drenching system, because uh, it was quite clear that the drenching system kept the fires under control. And as soon as we turned off the water, we had fire development again and, um, and and fire regrowth. In three of the cases, it was basically immediately. In one of the cases, it took some time before the fire sort of really got going again. So that the fact that that occurred, you could say that is an indication that uh, the drenching system, the water spray system, really keeps the fire down. It prevented combustibles to burn to quite a large extent, actually. So that was one reason. The second reason was that by burning the cars out completely, we could, first of all, we could get the measure from from the test data where we can sort of see the total heat release during mm. the entire test. So we could compare that total heat release with, with sort of pre-burn tests by using other cars. And the other reason what was burning out the cars makes the, the, the scrapping afterwards much easier. Oh, it was yes. easy for the, for the scrapping <laughs> yeah. to, to deal with the fire. No risk for fire reignition or anything like that. So everything basically burned out during that. 
You couldn't see it, but uh, as soon as you said that, I smiled, Elena smiled. We were all working in fire laboratories and we we understand you, Magnus. It, it makes life so much easier if you have to work with scrap, not uh, something that can reignite. Uh, but uh, to, to close the loop, um, the reignition appeared in both internal combustion engine vehicle fires and in battery electric vehicle fires at different times. But in all scenarios, the fire would to some extent return and then burn through the vehicle. No longer 8 megawatt peaks, just a few megawatts, one, two, but it, it would simply continue, right? Is this correct? Yes, that's okay. fully correct. That's fully correct. For the, that, this phase of the, of the fire, we, we, we had peak heat release rates in the order of a couple of megawatts, but uh, still quite severe fires. But I mean, we were to a certain degree, we were happy seeing that as I said, that proved that the drenching system worked quite well, sort of keeping mm. these fire control. And then I've done my uh, my homework, and I know that in your tests one with the fire blanket and test three with uh, the, uh, the extinguishing lens, you also have observed some sort of reignition after a, a longer period of time. So if you can tell me your experiences w- with this behavior. Yeah, we saw, as you said, few reignitions. I mean, experiences as such that uh, we thought that we, we've done the job and we are ready. And then suddenly it reignites and we have to come in again and, mm. and use the tool again or use the, the hose with water to extinguish. Mm-hmm. So this was the experience and it was uh, no big, you know, fire, but still we, we had to make sure that we extinguished fully and it doesn't reignite. We also, when we had this blanket, we tried to cover the car while it was still not sent to, to scrapping. The blanket to make sure that we we don't have anything happen happening at night when we are awake. Our batteries were not fully burned out. That's why it was a problem. And how did the people from the furry industry react to those reignitions? Were they worried with that? Because as you said, you you were uh, scared that something will happen to your remote research facility over the night. But if you're on a boat in the middle of a sea, uh, the, the, the the that scare would be a little bit bigger, I guess. Yeah, they are concerned. This is one of the concerns that everybody knows about, right? And they have already experienced some smaller fires like this reigniting. And it was very interesting to hear from them these stories, you know, when they have some tool falling in the water and then somebody decides to charge it and and then it reignites. Uh, you extinguish and it reignites, extinguish it, reignites. And they would be like, oh, we cannot extinguish it. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, they have... On the smaller scale, experience this and uh, taking measures against that. But for the car, they are concerned, of course. And that's why, as a result of, I think, both Lush Fire and our t- tests, they have developed some courses for the crew to mm. learn on what can happen and how to deal with that. Okay, so let's go to the final conclusions of your works, because we have so far uh, described your experiences with them. Now let's go into the polished conclusions. What have you given in your reports to those who were ordering the tests? Let's start with Magnus and Lashfire. So what what were the, you said the project finished, so I guess you have your conclusions worked out. So what, what were your final conclusions from the tests you've done? I mean, the, the, the overall conclusion from the tests is that the fire in a battery electric vehicle does not to seem more challenging for the drenching system design 
than a fire in a gasoline fuel vehicle. That mm-hmm. was basically the overall conclusion. So this means that the IMO standard that is, or IMO protocol that is used today to design those drenching system does not require urgent uh, changes and ships that are using those drencher systems can in a way carry electric vehicles as if they were internal combustion vehicles because the hazard would be the same and the performance would be similar. Yes, that that's exactly right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, th- this is an important finding also for the building industry where we would have our car parks, you know, equipped with some sort of sprinkler technology or water mist technology. Of course, you're talking about drenching system, so a large number of devices activated altogether in a very specific space, in a very specific setting. So there would be multiple stars and small fonts to this disclaimer. But in general, uh, overall, it was not like a fire from the different planet, a fire from a different universe that would suddenly overwhelm the drenching system. It was just another fire of a passenger vehicle in a similar magnitude. Yeah, right. Fantastic. And any other uh, particular findings related on how to use the drenching systems? Other uh, conclusions were, for example, that we saw a faster initial fire growth rate and higher peak heat release rate for, for the gasoline-fueled vehicles, simply because we sort of started the fire by involving the, the gasoline fuel. So uh, lower fires in the battery electrical vehicles, if, if we make that comparison sort of, and for the fire environment around, so you'd expect the drenching system to decrease the temperatures, heat fluxes, all of this was achieved in, in both uh, types of vehicles, both tests? Yes, exactly. We were able to, I mean, we, when uh, talking about the performance of the drenching system, we looked at several different parameters. The primary was the, the surface temperatures of steel sheet screens, sort of t- to both sides of the car that was burning. So we tried to simulate basically cars close by, sort of side by side to the car that was burning. So, so your vehicle was surrounded with some mock-ups? Yes, exactly. Like an IMO test, okay. Yeah. Exactly. So we measured the surface temperatures of all these, these sheet screens. And those temperatures were quickly reduced when the, when the drenching system was started. Uh, with, with some remark though for the, for the gasoline bill fire. The temperatures were sort of uh, doing the burnout of that flammable liquid fuel. The temperatures were, were quite high. But after that period of time, temperatures came down and, and were quite low, actually. We also looked at the gas temperatures above mm-hmm. the vehicles, and uh, those temperatures were, were really well below sort of critical temperatures. We looked at heat radiation also, and heat radiation sort of was... The trends were similar to the surface temperature measurements. They come down as soon as the drenching system is operated. Very good, very good. I mean, both of you also had some findings related to hydrogen fluoride concentration, but I won't go there. We don't have we don't have time. But there's also some interesting findings in what do you find in the water post fire and what was the the toxicity of the fire environment. Here, I wanted to focus mostly on suppression. So I'll just drop mentioned that that uh, the stuff like that was also part of of the investigations and people can perhaps look into the papers Lena for you the the main conclusions findings uh, what did you tell the ferry people to do with the, those electric vehicle fires uh, I would say that partially findings were done together with them is when they were present tests and how they actually felt about using these different devices and how they saw what 
the success of these devices depends on. So based on that, we can say that our partners, if I name one DFDS that I closely worked with, my other colleagues uh, looked closer at other uh, ferries. So I have more of the information on DFDS. They have invested in fire blankets. They have water curtains also now. They have actually made based on Lush Fire Project. They looked at the fire suits. They upgraded the fire suits, underwear. Um, they have a fog nail. That's not exactly the device that we tested and not mm. intended to be used for electric vehicle firefighting. But still, they are getting more confident, you see, and thinking, okay, what's the situation we could actually use it in case of any type of fire on board of a ferry? And I think that the main conclusion from our tests, even though we didn't test the drencher system, that's why I really wanted to have Magnus with us because of this very mm-hmm. well done tests, uh, was that use the system, the water suppression system that you have, but make sure that it's activated earlier. That's what we saw both in the, when we done the literature review for the project of the past accidents that happened and when we tested the devices. If any of these used hmm. too late, then you wouldn't be able to to control the fire. So we say use the drencher system you have, but make sure it's activated early. So maybe you need to automatically activate it and review the procedures of what's happening. The the current procedure would be manual activation always. Uh, how how I, I'm not as expert in 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 ships. Yeah, that's right. They are manually activated. Yeah. And this is for the property loss reasons or? Probably. And also, also because, I mean, the, the management of the ship, the, the captain of the ship, he wants full control sort of what was happening. Mm. So he wants to give the order of starting the, the system once there's a the fire. Typically also, they, they, after fire alarm, someone need to go down to the actual space and have a look and confirm that, that there really is a fire and not only a false alarm. And then they alert the, the captain and then the captain orders the thought of the, the mm-hmm. pump and opening of the correct deluge section valve. Okay, as long as this is an important finding for the maritime industry, for the building industry where we would have automatically activated systems and like no one would risk uh, hand activation of sprinkler device or, or water mist device in a car park, this is a good finding because in, in let's say, civil engineering, we would have this activation uh, very early, if the system is present, you would expect it to activate fairly early into the fire, which seems like good news. Yeah, guys, uh, thank you very much. Like you, you walked me through two excellent research projects, very complementary to each other. We have uh, talked about multiple types of prevention systems. Perhaps you have a, a final message. Perhaps you can tell me what's, uh, I always like to ask the question, what surprised you the most during the, the fire tests? I know there's always something going the other way you've expected in a fire test. And I love to ask what was the oddest, most weird and surprising thing that happened during your experiments. Elena, I'm starting with you. Well, that's the test number four. Uh, that's where we both overcharged and shorted battery. And when fire spread to the neighboring cars within three minutes, it was not only me who was surprised. I mean, it just ignited the battery and we could see the flames. Uh, firefighters were not prepared and dressed. You know, they would normally wait for until they see something happening and start dressing because you don't want to stand there in full mm-hmm. PPE and just very yeah. uncomfortable and difficult. 
So nobody was ready to see that first flames coming from the battery and then spreading so fast and then spreading to almost all vehicles in no time, basically. Okay, so so uh, basically you're burning the same car for the fourth time. It always went in a certain fashion. So that's what you were prepared for. And then boom, suddenly it's it's a little different. I've been there, done that, not with electrical vehicle fires, but I, I know your feeling. That's a very interesting observation. You associate this difference with the uh, overcharge and the state of charge of the battery. And that's the only thing we've done differently. And it's the same type of car. You know, we had uh, six cars of the same model test. Okay, that, that's very interesting. But again, uh, a disclaimer, overcharging battery is not something that would normally happen to a vehicle because there's battery management system that um, prevents you from doing that, right? Of course, of course it is. That's good news. I'm, with, with this statement, I'm a little worried. You know, people like to perhaps get a little more performance of their vehicles than the factory gave them. You know, that happens in the world of internal combustion engine when where you can map the engine to get more horsepower out of it. Uh, I wonder if, if there already is a hacking industry to hack the battery management systems to overcharge batteries or get more power out of vehicles. I hope not, but it seems like a ridiculously bad idea based on your surprising ex- experience. And Magnus, the most surprising thing that happened in your tests? Well, I would say that uh, I was was a little surprised and all, also happy, of course, about the good performance of the drenching system. We saw, for example, that it prevents, even though there's a fire inside the vehicle, it, it in some cases the the paint paint on the outside of the car was basically undamaged, and, and one of these cars had a glass sunroof, and that glass sunroof was not sort of burned through during okay. the test because of the cooling of the water. And also I was surprised by the excellent cooling of the sort of simulated adjacent cars. That was so good. I was very happily surprised actually by the, the excellent performance of the denture system. Yeah, I, and your fires, like telling from the megawatts you mentioned, like if you have eight megawatt fire, that is a really large fire. Like I am scared above one and a half megawatt when you start your denture system. That's the size of a fire I'm usually comfortable and above I'm always scared even though I've burned a lot of them. Uh, so you had big fires and the damage due to the drencher operation was in an extent under control. That's good news. That That's good news that those systems uh, work and then other confirmation that that's a technology that, that helps us battle those fires. So a great finding and if that's a surprise you got, I, that's a very happy surprise. I'm I'm happy to to hear that. Okay, guys, we're well over time, but it was a fun conversation, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience uh, from both of you. So thank you and uh, see you here the next time. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. What an interesting update on two big projects that happened recently in Europe on fire safety of different ships uh, carrying electric vehicles. I had the privilege to to see Lana's presentation at IFSS on the, the subject that she covered here today. And I can tell you the room was absolutely full of people. There were no seats and there was no space at walls to stand even. That's how much interest this topic brought to to the fire science community. And I hope it also attracted a lot of fire engineers and uh, listeners of the fire science show. There is much, much more to both Project Albas and Project Lashfire. There are links to some reports in the show notes of the episode if you want to learn more 
you you have to read about it. Lena also done a very interesting webinar recently. I'll also put a link to that in the show notes. I guess we have not fully covered the the, the whole topic of suppressing extinguishing fires of electric vehicles and management of those fires. But I, at least I hope we brought a lot of knowledge to the table. We made people a little bit more comfortable with the devices, understanding how they operate, what you can achieve with them, what are the tools that are in use. And uh, yeah, just confirming that there are fantastic people working on making those tools useful, safe, and in general, solving the issue of electric vehicle fires in different settings, if the issue is even there. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me in this Fire Science Show episode. It seems it's the last episode before Christmas, so a Merry Christmas to you all. I'm going to have a small present for those who want it. Uh, The Book of Fire is going to launch just before Christmas. So if you have not uh, seen it yet, you are not in the beta tests, there's an opportunity to join the Book of Fire by the end of this week. And it's going to be great. It's, it's looking very promising. I am, I'm enjoying a lot creating it. It is way more work than I've expected, but I hope it is worth it. So the bookoffire.com starting out very soon. I think Friday would be the day, perhaps Saturday. It depends if I can finalize the, the, the last things in it as I wish. My timeline recently is very fluent and I'm not very happy with that. But I'm very happy to work very hard to bring you the fire science and fire knowledge that you deserve. So thanks for being here with me. Thanks for uh, checking out my other projects. There's one more project, really huge project for the next year coming out very soon. You will learn about that from my LinkedIn and from uh, my good friend Grunde Yumes LinkedIn. We're trying to do something together that's going to be extremely interesting for a large group of people, especially PhD students and postdocs. So keep your eyes open. Well, that's enough of teasing. Thanks for being here with me and see you here next Wednesday. Thank you. Bye. This was the Fire Science Show. Thank you for listening and see you soon.